I use his full name when he's in trouble and and I do know his middle name uh which he does not like so when it's like serious I can pull that out uh but I try to only use that for serious occasions so just Bob (laughs) call me Bob welcome to the Metacast we are here with Dorothy Abbott our second guest on the new season of the Metacast so I am welcome Dorothy yes yeah, so this is uh, this is exciting. We we continue to get great guests, and Dorothy, no one knows you better than you. So give us a quick synopsis about Dorothy and what you're into, and where you focus, and what what you're excited about. Thank you so much for the welcome, and I'm glad to be here with both of you. So uh, I like to think of myself as a thought leader. Of course, it takes others of us around us to to really say if that's working for them or not. But I'm definitely a change agent, change agent, passionate about partnering with executives and organizations to deliver maximum business value, reduce waste, and continuously improve products, efficiencies, and people's ability to adapt. That's a lot of stuff in there. Um, through that long journey, you know, I, I've I hold a couple of IC Agile expert designations. The mastery cohorts have been a huge growth item for me over the years as well as being an ICF professional certified coach, which has really helped me adapt the language with the people and teams I work with every day. Gotcha. Okay. So are there any specific tools that you use on, on the regular that you find really make a difference? I have a, a few in my toolbox. I like uh, one of them and well is the leadership circle 360, which I know we'll probably talk about a little bit today. There's some others over the years, you know, within the ICF, I've used a lot of the growth circle, uh, growth wheel for people if on an individual side. For teams, it's really helping them flesh out and using those those really good, powerful questions in the facilitation to help them flesh out where they want to go and what success looks like for them. Okay, so you've got your tools. What... What type of problem do you usually get called in to, to attack for a company? Is there a, a common issue that comes up where you know, Dorothy's the person when your company's wrestling with this? Or is it all over the place and wherever they need help, you jump in and make a difference? That's an interesting question. I think first, it, a lot of times, depending upon what problem they're struggling with, depends upon the size of the company. Uh, you know, we, we see large, very old companies struggling with different types of challenges to get to delivery and, and business objectives, a little different than, than say a startup or a midsize, midsize company, you know, startups are, are scrambling around trying to get something out the door to just to win customers. And so, you know, a lot of times they're, they're not even clear on what their vision is and what they're trying to attain or even what type of person customer they're trying to win. So sometimes just when you go in there and you do discovery with them and there, and this comes up and it just, and you surface that for them, bring it to light to them. And they're like, Oh, I didn't think about that. Let's go, let's go explore that. You know, the mid-sized company, they've, they've done this huge amount of growth and they're still trying to operate like the startup, but they have larger company problems of, oh, you know, our, our IT department now looks like 
spaghetti spot ball and it's a huge bunch of dependencies how do we streamline this how do we how do we get everything so not everybody's involved in everything how do we even prioritize what's coming down through here because we're used to just tackling everything at once and we can't do that we don't we can't take on everything at once some of those some of those types of things that that we sometimes see happen and of course Large, large companies have lots of, <laughs> it could be, you know, anything from the way their org is set up and how they've structured teams to, uh, I've, I've seen some companies that even when you go talk to them about moving from project to product, you, you get into the, uh, uh, this is my area, not yours, go away, um, that, which we often call the land grab, you know, and so it's just navigating those waters on. What hill do you want to die on today? And helping them identify which 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 things keep them awake at night and which ones they want to go tackle. I mean, one of the things that that struck me is is leadership. I mean, as you were talking, I was thinking of leadership, and it goes back, Dorothy, to the leadership circle profile. I'm I'm going to say something bold, and please disagree with me. I don't know if it's bold, but it's I think leaders with all due respect and love for leaders. And I, and I mean that sincerely leaders in agile contexts are, are a struggle point. They're a challenge point in many transformations. Uh, and then helping them as coaches or change agents, it, you know, helping them navigate through that, uh, is, is a big job and, and not for the faint of heart. And, uh, the circle profile I've used both at the individual instrument. And I forget what they call it. They have a management they have a management team aggregated version of it. I've used both of those, uh, but yes. it really helps reveal. It helps reveal the leaders to themselves to help them. So, so react to that. Do you play? What do you see in the in the circle profile? Do you see it helping insights? How do you leverage it specifically in your practice? So I've had leaders use it individually just to see just. Because yes, some companies have 360 feedback programs, but they don't bring them the richness of data to truly understand where and how they want to go from where they're currently at, the way they're being now, to helping them identify where they should go or how that would help them better relate to not just their direct reports, but how they manage up and how they're coming across that way. Um, and yes, in the larger context, especially when you're going through a large change, whether it's a digital transformation, we don't see as many agile transformations anymore as we know, or even through all the modernization that we're seeing take on today with government agencies and such as they move off of mainframes and various different things, it's still a huge amount of change. And when leaders come together and don't see things happening like they are, when we can use the grouped results of a leadership circle, they can quickly see in an anonymized fashion how they're being perceived within their organization. From there, they can also see where they're currently at, but then they can go back and together as a group, a leadership team and take it and say, how do we want to be perceived and taken and also with those results, now they can see the gap between where they're currently at and where they want to go. 
and design that path of how they get to where they want to go. So as well as, as helping and coaching their organization through the change, they can, they, and again, we often don't think about this a whole lot, but how we grow internally and look and become aware of ourselves of what we need to shift in order to help others be successful in accepting change. And moving from, you know, a lot of times when there's a large amount of change, we're in fear. We become very reactive. Instead of thinking of it as something that's that's something we can be passionate about and can orchestrate the narrative and move into a space of, of creative and passion and inquiry. Yeah, one of the things that we talked about before recording was the challenges of the critical conversations that have to happen and leaning into what Bob was talking about with the leadership. That's where a lot of people struggle because, as you said, you have to orchestrate this whole thing to make sure that you're treating them fairly yet honest. You're not like breaking their soul whenever you talk to them, but also it's not a softball where they don't really understand what's uh, going. So that, that's a, that's a huge passion of mine that I think if, if, if we can help people become more effective at that, that's a huge win across, you know, everybody. So do you have any thoughts or tips or uh, experiences within that realm? Definitely. And it's something that I, I think about regularly when we go ask people to change or even when I go, you know, coach leaders on on how they assist their, their organization to change because, you know, they're just like, we got to go do this thing. And when they go communicate that to the org that we just got to go do this thing, it's very cold and un, uncaring. And, and when we help them see that if we can attach a caring side to it and understand that maybe some of that unknowns that comes up, which causes fear in people, causes fear in them if they, if they share with them things that are coming up for them and how they're walking through that fear to, a, to understanding and how they're going to assist them, that helps them move more into a, a caring type space. And it shows a lot of bravery and, and courageousness by sharing that caring side of themselves. It really does. Because oftentimes, you know, when we're in a state of, of fear, we distance ourselves. We get as far away from it as we can because it hurts. And, and often in that professional space, we don't, we don't want to bring our emotions and our feelings into that. Whereas in order to get closer to the people we work with day in and day out, we need to, to help them navigate things better, which helps them become more efficient. And then they come and rely upon us because we've, we've held that hand out to help them navigate that. I just want to restate what you said, because I think it's, accurate when you're the most scared that's when you should probably share the most like i think that's what you're saying is is that when stakes are high we tend to like shrink back but in reality the most effective thing we can do is like jump forward and and open ourselves up in the most scary times yes yes because as the more we open up others around us will also open up 
and we'll create that. Again, we're creating that safety net. We're weaving that safety net as we navigate through that safety safety space. You know, I, I'm not asking people to jump into that and hope the safety net arrives. No, let's let's walk into it that scary spot and share, and let's weave that safety net to to comfort us and cradle us as we move through that. It's an interesting thing to, to even think about how we recreate or recraft those sayings in our mind to become, no, we're never going to be comfortable about change, but make it so you can navigate it smoother. Well, I also heard a bit there, I think, of leaders modeling behavior. And so, and I'll just use those words, uh, a leader, like, you know, stepping into it for themselves. So there's the evolutionary part, Josh and, and Dorothy, for the leader. But there's also this side effect. And it's not just positive, it can be negative. But, you know, what I model... Uh, it either gives permission, positive or negative, it sets the space around yeah. us. So, it, so it really if I if I model, like if I blame, if I, so if I'm a blaming leader, not only is it inside of me, but I'm setting the space where blame is like permeating, and so then safety would come down, uh, yes. etc. I call it culture. There's a term I like to think of as culture shaping. The behavior of leaders shapes the culture. Now there's an inside part of the culture, but then there's that outside part. Am I on track yeah. with you? Are we simpatico? <laughs> Worthy? Yes, we're talking a similar, Wait. similar, similar thing. And as we yeah. know, a company's culture will eat their strategy for lunch day in day out. <laughs> Absolutely. What? And I just taught a leadership class, and I was harping on walk your talk. I was using those those terms a lot. Uh, you know, and, and that's even inside out, showing vulnerability. We were talking about transparency and showing vulnerability to, as a leader and what that's doing for you or whatnot. Can I tell you a quick story, Dorothy, about a, a traumatic experience I had with the leadership circle profile? And then you can react to it if you've seen it. So I was taking a class uh, on coaching, advanced coaching in Virginia. And one of the prerequisites was to take that free version of the the profile and bring those yeah. results to the class so this was a bunch it was a full class uh it was taught by michael spade and uh, I, I forget her name someone else but it was in 2017 we all dutifully there was like 40 people so it was, everyone was interested a lot of agile coaches so everyone was pretty experienced agile coaches and we came in and about two-thirds of everyone scored really high on arrogance uh, if that makes sense. And, and there were these, and everyone was taking it really too seriously. And there were almost tears in the room. Like half the coaches were tearful. It's like, oh, but I don't want to be arrogant, but the circle profile tells me that I'm arrogant. Uh, and so, so it's taking it with a grain of salt, uh, overreacting, uh, et cetera. So any, any tales like that, of like funny tales or, uh, around your use of the, the circle? Yeah, and, and I'll share one of my own, my own when I did it, and, and I did a full 360. So I got those people around me that provided feedback too. So for myself yeah, down yeah. in that space, I scored myself really high in distancing. I, yeah. I 
used to spend a huge amount of effort separating my personal life from my from my professional life to over 80%. I spent a lot of energy on yeah. it even yeah. when, I, when I got the feedback from those around me, they scored me less than 5% in the distancing. So they didn't see it. So something I was spending a lot of effort on wasn't even having an impact on those around me. So I was expending energy that I didn't need to spend on something that, that didn't matter. And on exactly. the flip side, a lot of them didn't realize there's another aspect in the creative side about personal learning or, or learning growth. Most of them had no idea the amount of internal growth I go through to, to make myself I want the right word. I want, I was going to say better, but I don't want, I don't want anybody to seem like I'm better than anybody else. That's not the case to, so that I have my own awareness around me to continuously adapt so that I can help those around me. And nobody was aware of the amount of, of growth I was going through and learning to, to become that person. And I needed to share that story more. And I, and I do to yeah. this day of, of how much effort and time that I, and, and of course we know there's a lot of money underneath that too in order to become that whole person so they can help others move into that space that they identify where they want to go. It's not my journey, it's their journey. (laughs) But I have to fix, I have to fix my story and my internal baggage so that I can help other people get where they want to go. Exactly. I love that inside out view. I mean, I talk about like an inside out leader or an inside out coach. Before we start the leading aspects or the coaching aspects, I mean, we can do that as a job, but work on yourself too. Like work on the inside out, uh, uh, and and really focus on that. Uh, I didn't, Josh. I opened the door for you, and you disappointed me. So I mentioned arrogance and Bob Galen and an assessment all in the same sentence, and you didn't ask me what my score was. Well, uh, I mean. At least now we know that the test is accurate. We can trust it, right? <laughs> you certainly, the test has proven itself. Exactly. Uh, it, so I'm so I'm guessing if it was a one to ten, you scored like an eleven. Is that fair? That man, you must have been there with me. <laughs> exactly. No. I think one of the biggest things to remember, whether you take the the individual one without the three sixty results or do a full one, is be kind to yourself when you look at it because we're all most critical of ourselves and and that's not what that is used to be for it's it's for us to sit and look at the overall the whole picture and say oh i'm strong over here and i may have some stuff over here down here more on the on the reactive but it correlates this reactive this creative side and it just a little bit just a little bit moving and i can be creative and come across in this creative space. That's yeah, a wonder I, that's wonderful advice, Dorothy, around interpreting, I think, any assessment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this case, Josh, it the 360 is so much more to Dorothy's point, I everyone was judging themselves harshly. Yeah. Right. I mean it's a free tool. It's not the intent of the tool. Yeah. The intent of it is to get that 360 perspective. Uh, so 
Now, even that's insightful. And then I love the, like, just be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace, right? We need to, and to be a leader, you have to be arrogant. Like that's, to me, that's part of the thing is to stand up and say, follow me. That requires a little bit of like, I actually know what I'm talking about. So I, to me, I sort of value, not sort of, but I value folks that operate within that manner because that that helps set the stage of like, hey, this is someone I can trust because you do need to establish yourself as a leader. Stop, stop puffing your chest up over there, Bob, <laughs> as as like someone that you can trust, you can count on that, hey, when 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 things are darkest, we can turn to this leader and they're going to help us get get out of it. And um, it if you don't think you can do it, then it's it's not going to happen. You know? So uh, that that's why to me, I think the arrogance score, I think you have to to align it with what you're trying to do with that role in that test. So I wouldn't rate that as like, oh, if I'm high in that, then I'm a bad person. No, you're not a bad person. Uh, it's, 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 you're doing what you have to do to succeed at the job. Hey, we're getting close to time. I have a question. Uh, and we, this is sort of an ending thing, but you can shoot it down both of you. What if we all three weighed in and said the question for all of us and Dorothy goes first. So she takes the most time, uh, is she has the most time is, uh, what do you think the key characteristic for an agile leader? So, so let me set the scene. You're at a bar at an event uh, for a major company and uh, a few leaders of the company come up to you, C-level, relatively senior leaders. And they're like, oh my gosh, the CEO is telling us to go agile. And, you know, what does that mean to me as a senior leader? What's the one major thing? You, we're getting drunk. So you only have one, you know, we only have one, one moment to tell me the most important thing to focus on or the most, the biggest challenge. And yeah. we could go first, Dorothy, if Dorothy, go ahead, Dorothy, if you're ready to go, what do you, what do you got? Yeah. So, you know, thinking about that, the first thing I would probably ask that leader is what scares you the most? Ah. Based upon what they share with me, you know, taking that, that coaching stance, I'd say, well, okay, so this, this thing's scaring you. How would you normally walk through getting through that fear to find what success looks like and, uh, and let them explore that, let them explore that and, and say, here's the action items I'm going to take to help alleviate that. And it's, it's interesting sometimes, and I think most of us can say that a lot of times we don't get a full 30 minutes with, with a C-level. Oftentimes when we're in meetings with a lot of people, it's often that, that five-minute coffee conversation that, that it may not, even be a, may not even be a powerful question you give them. It might be just something, a seed you plant, and then they take it back and it yep. just harvests and grows. And a lot of times, you know, even that question of what scares you the most about this them even going back and thinking about that, if they don't come up right or right, just yep. really fosters a lot of stuff that happens in their mind about how they want to navigate that. I love that. That was a Metacasters. If you didn't recognize that, that was a perfect coaching stance by Dorothy. 
she was absolutely leaning into professional coaching and doing it nicely. Uh, Josh, do you want to go for next or me? Yeah, no, we, we can let the bulldog loose. Uh, that may, you know, isn't always as, uh, kind is the wrong word, but I think, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the largest failure I've seen is leaders that take an approach to set it and forget it. And they don't understand how important their role is in the success of this transformation that's happening. Forget whether it's agile or anything else. It, it only succeeds if there's belief and, and the value perception from the folks at the top and the folks that are on the ground making things happen because it's messy. And, too often the leaders are out to lunch and they've said, oh, we've set it in motion. We did a kickoff meeting. We're good. We did our thing, right? It's just going to happen. And it's too difficult for it to succeed without that continuous messaging and modeling and everything that that, that goes on. So that's, that's the most common hurdle that I see companies struggle with is the realization of how much the culture is changing and your responsibility as a leader to help make that happen. I'd also like to add on to that often, or we see them come in and say, we're doing this thing. And they, they literally only say, train them, measure them. They're like, nope, train them, measure them. And we'll be agile. And I'm like. Exactly. So my first response is you need help. I, I try to capture them before the next drink. So, so while they're somewhat still thinking and I'd be like, you need help. What you need, biggest mistake is expert help. And you need to hire Bob Galen. Here's my business card. So, so that, that's the joking response. The real response, I would, I would probably say something. I think it's aligned with what you're both saying. Maybe more to you, Josh is, uh, be careful. You have to lead. So the most important thing and the thing that folks, leaders, I think, miss is they think they can just buy Agile or pay for Agile. And it's going to up your leadership game. It's going to require you to lead with vision, uh, with mission. It's, a, it's going to require you to get in the game with your teams to understand. And I said, if you're currently doing that, then it'll be smooth. If you're not doing that, then you have a challenge, a positive challenge in front of you that you're going to have to move uh, leading from the front you're gonna to have to lead uh from the front in agile and and that's going to be a challenge all right so bob i think we should make that like the final segment of each of these where we have a question that we all answer did you like that you know i, I thank you thank you josh i think it's i think it's my arrogance that's coming through you yeah, gave definitely. me permission it's definitely it's, I feel it's, it. It's coming through. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> and it doesn't feel good. <laughs> Dor Dorothy, we need so I stick a fork in it, Josh. Let's. Dorothy, uh I was I was inspired to get to know you when I saw you came in. So thank you for volunteering. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your wisdom in this area. So we really, we really appreciate that. Yes. Josh. So I'm yes. going to, I'm going to close it. So yeah. from beautiful Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And from beautiful Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care of you all.